Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Happy Monday. What's up? Bits of Gold fam. Hope everyone had a great weekend. Super excited for this episode today. Today, my guest is Chat Razdan, founder and CEO of Karenware. Chat left his career as an investment banker at Goldman Sachs to launch Karenware. Karenware is a healthware company that is reimagining how the world looks at and feels about healthcare. By bridging fashion and function, Karenware is creating a more human healthcare experience for both patients and clinicians. Founded in 2014, Karenware works to promote dignity, style, and comfort through the creation of thoughtful products designed in collaboration with clinicians, patients, designers, and manufacturers. Karenware products are used in more than 80 hospital systems and governments globally, including the Mayo Clinic, Department of Veteran Affairs, University of Virginia Health, and many more. Karenware has been featured in the New York Times, Forbes, Fast Company, Huffington Post, ABC, NPR, and more. For more information, visit www.karenware.com. I am so excited to drop this episode today. Chad has a very inspiring story. Went from Goldman Sachs to working on a few other startups to ultimately starting and founding Karenware. And what really drove him and continues to drive him is wanting to have a greater impact, a lasting impact, and his potential and his ability to change the world and create lasting change in Karenware, something I think we could all strive for. So with that, enjoy this episode. Chat, thanks so much for coming on the Bits of Gold podcast today. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to share our story and really looking forward to hopefully helping to inspire others to pursue their passions just like we are today. Absolutely. I love that you're wearing scrubs. This is audio only, but I love that uh, you're wearing scrubs on the other end of this. Yeah. You know, everyone always says you got to live and breathe your startup. And I guess I'm proving that out today. (laughs) I was thinking when you first jumped on that, do you normally wear scrubs to work or just for today? Well, on a day like today, I live in New York, so it's very hot and humid today. So I would probably be in shorts, flip-flops, and a (laughs) t-shirt. Normally when I'm speaking at an event, I do try and wear one of our Karen Wear products. I think wearing it kind of brings to life everything that we're doing. And so most times it's our hoodie, especially in the fall and winter, our collaboration with Oscar de la Renta. But now that I have scrubs, I mean, you can basically feel like you're wearing pajamas day in and day out. So I think I'll be able to feel more comfortable each and every day now. Ah, that's that's amazing. So yeah, let's jump into it. What's the story behind Karen Ware? How did it all come about? Yeah, totally. So my background, I guess, starts from the earliest days. My parents both immigrated from India and really taught me about being hardworking and compassionate. 
Both of them built their careers from scratch, moved themselves and their families over. And growing up, at first I thought I was going to be a doctor, and then I saw a left colon get removed and realized when all the nurses were by me rather than by the patient that I was probably not going to be a doctor, at least a surgeon performing surgery. And so then followed my dad's path of going into business and ended up being a consultant at Kearney and then an investment banker at Goldman Sachs. And honestly, kind of realized while doing both that I thought both skill sets were super important. Neither was inspiring me. And before we started, you kind of talked a little about how you want to inspire others and the goals for why you're doing this. Similarly, for me, I had always cheesily, I guess, followed the Gandhi quote of be the change that you wish to see in the world and felt like there had to be more change that I could do than beautiful PowerPoint presentations and Excel documents. And probably my former colleagues at Goldman and Kearney would probably argue that my PowerPoints weren't even that beautiful. So I guess <laughs> kind of a few years ago, over seven years ago now, I had loved ones diagnosed with cancer, told to wear socks over what's called a pick line. A pick line, for those of you that don't know, is an IV tube. It goes in your arm and connects to your heart, and you use it as a way to get nutrition or antibiotics, or in this case, chemo, into the body over an elongated period of time. And just saw people being told to wear socks on their arms and thought, wow, this stinks. There's got to be something better. And so started working with nurses and doctors from Johns Hopkins and UVA to try and redesign the tube sock. And kind of while I was doing that, took a step back and realized whenever you go to the hospital, everything is always focused on function and not on how it looks or how it makes you feel. And really just felt there was a need to build a brand in the healthcare space. And today, uh, Karenware is reimagining how the world looks and feels about healthcare by bridging function and fashion together. Hmm. I love what you said because I can definitely resonate quite a bit, especially on the, the function side, just from seeing, you know, both my parents were diagnosed with cancer uh, and my dad passed when I was 20, my mom at 25. And prior to that, I spent no time in a hospital. And then once both of them got sick, I spent so much time in a hospital. Yeah. And you quickly see that that's a great word for it, just that so much of what's there is for function. And I definitely want to get into that a little bit more on, on mm -hmm. this episode, but so much in the hospital, in many ways, I don't know if this is necessarily the best word, but it dehumanizes yeah. you know, your ability to just feel like a human between the gowns, the blankets, the socks, especially, you know, my mom was in the hospital for two months wow. from when she checked in, she never checked out. Yeah. I think that it weighs, not only are you battling cancer a terminal illness and have all these unknowns, but coupled with that, you're wearing this gown that makes you feel different. You're wearing these socks that make you feel different. It's interesting because they're trying to get you healthy or stable to get out of there. It's not on purpose, but I could definitely resonate with someone in that situation feeling sick yeah. just based on what they're wearing, being in that bed, being in that room, et cetera. It weighs on you. I mean, there's all these studies on what the color of the paint on the walls in the hospital, what the impact that could have on your recovery. And even more than that is exactly what you're saying is what you're wearing and how it's making you feel. I know when I was a child, I had a lot of ear infections. And so I actually had tubes in my ears three times and would have to go in for surgery and was always terrified, obviously, of getting surgery 
was even more terrified because I wasn't the cool seven-year-old, so I wasn't getting my tonsils removed. All the cool seven-year-olds were getting their tonsils removed and having an ice cream diet for a week, which I always was so jealous of. But I remember the thing I was most terrified of wasn't the surgery or how I would feel after. It was the fact that I was exposing myself to everyone in the hospital. And I'm fortunate that my mom's an anesthesiologist. And so I actually knew all the doctors performing surgery on me. The anesthesiologist was actually my mom's mentor and former boss and teacher at Hopkins. And so it was people that I had known. And I was like, this is so embarrassing. And that's what I cared the most about. And that's what made me the most upset and terrified. And it's bringing that seven-year-old version of chat to be involved in the design and development process, I think is so important and so essential. So that exactly what you're saying, that we can try and bring humanity back into healthcare and just We're not trying to solve, you know, how do you make a rocket ship fly? We're just trying to solve, how do we enable you to feel like a human again? That's core to the DNA for our brand. And that's what we're trying to solve each and every day. Oh, that's so beautiful. Before we jump further into the business. So I saw on LinkedIn, you were originally at Parking Panda. And then before that, you co-founded Line Jump. Obviously, you had, it seemed like you had entrepreneurial roots in your DNA, the desire to build, you know, a startup. But it's funny the progression from like line jump. It seems like that was focused on getting people into like bars or restaurants to parking panda. How do you go about that progression? Was it just natural or because now you're going, you went from it seemed like two maybe tech heavy businesses to now Garmin and healthcare. It's a totally different venture. Totally. So line jump was part of a business case competition that we participated in at Chicago Booth. And so the idea there, especially in business school, you spend a lot of time in bars and restaurants and always being annoying at how long it waits. I felt that it was important to build an app that would allow you to open and close your bar and restaurant tab from your phone and basically allow you to leave more quickly. It was At the time, great idea, learned that it's very difficult to implement. Every POS system in bars and restaurants is different. None of them are backwards compatible. And so it's really difficult to scale without building out your own POS. And our team was four people that were basically the same. All four of us were trying to go into finance after business school. We didn't actually have anyone that knew how to code. And I realized that that was something that was essential to success. And then while I was at Goldman, actually, I was helping sell a company that had a lot of factories and had a lot of plants. And as we were selling the company, we did a visit of all their factories and plants across all of Asia. And what they were known for was building CD labels back in the day. So obviously, that business has declined pretty dramatically. (laughs) And kind of realize, look, even though this is obviously a declining industry and a declining company, at the end of the day, there's something there. There's something to be able to show when you're trying to sell your company. And it's not, I remember in business school at our finals presentations, one of the questions was, what happens if Apple or Google changes their app store and you can no longer create an app on their store? And not wanting to be dependent on others was one thing that was important. And then I think the second thing that was super important was how do you create something that is going to get you out of bed at night or in the morning and also allow you to keep going at three in the morning if you need to. And for anyone looking to join us, it's not very frequent that we're awake at three in the morning. So don't (laughs) worry. But 
What I realized is, yeah, I'm super passionate about eating. I'm super passionate about drinking. I don't want to be going into bars when I'm 55 years old and trying to sell them on using my technology. I don't want to go to a parking lot and try and convince them why my app is better than the other app. What I want to do is make a bigger difference in the world and help more people. And I think that's what caused me to start looking for what are changes that we can do to really help those around us and to really help those that we love. And that's where I think that initial desire of wanting to be a doctor came back into play and I guess led me to uh, start Karenware. Do you think that working on Karenware versus like Parking Panda or Line Jump, do you notice that it's easier to, if need be, put in the longer hours or do the work? Is it a noticeable difference for you personally? Yeah, I think it's a great question. For better or worse, I grew up with that. My dad was always on. Uh, my mom was always on. Uh, at Goldman, obviously, you're always on. So I've kind of grown up with an always-on attitude. All my friends joke that I'm the world's quickest responder, and they get worried if I don't reply within five minutes. But I do think that there's something there about being able to do something that truly inspires you and truly inspires others. and. I brag to everyone around me and anyone that'll listen to me of just the opportunity that I have every time we talk to our customers, every time that we talk to the amazing clinicians that are helping protect and save our loved ones is getting to hear their feedback, getting to see our products in action. We just had one hospital today send us pictures of patients wearing our products. There's an unbelievable sense of satisfaction of knowing wow, we built this and we got to do that. And I think that that's something that at the end of the day, when I was thinking of starting Karenware, a few of my mentors at Goldman, I was talking to them about, okay, is is this the right company to build? I honestly hadn't planned on it. It just kind of started taking off. And should I do this? And their feedback was worst case scenario, you spend a year or two trying to help patients or trying to help clinicians. Is that really the worst thing in the world? And so seven years later, we're still here and going strong, I guess, trying to do whatever we can for every patient and clinician around us. I think it's funny because especially like the younger people who are fresh out of college are like trying to find their way and you hear stuff, you read stuff. If you spend too much time on Instagram, you get lost in like the shuffle of people just like flexing or showing their, you know, their their highlight reel of their life. But I think a lot of people fresh out of school try to figure out what do I want to do with my life? What do I want to do professionally? What do I want to pursue? It sounds like for you, you just really lean into trying to find something where you would have a real impact longer term beyond thinking, I'm just saying if Parking Panda is a tremendous success or Line Jump, the impact that you'd have in Karenware is significantly greater to like that of society. It sounds yeah. like that was sort of like the motivation or the thing that really got you excited about pursuing this. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's something that honestly I want to do for the rest of my working career. One of the questions I always ask every job candidate is, what's your dream job? Where do you want to be 10 years from now? And some of them ask me, hey, I want to ask you the same question. And I always say, I want to be at Karenware. Obviously, I want to have more products. I want to have a bigger team et cetera, et cetera. But we want to be able to make a difference. And that that's what's driving us. I think a lot of founders create companies hoping to sell. And I'd say we're probably on the opposite end of the spectrum where we're truly here for good and want to build something sustainable that'll create a legacy for generations and generations and allow us 
to rethink and reimagine healthcare as a whole. Wow, that's amazing. Did you guys raise money or are you guys self-funded? Uh, yeah, we've raised a couple rounds. We're a seed funded company. Our main investors are people that have a personal stake in what we're doing and want to be helpful. So we went with strategically getting investors. At some point, we may consider doing more of a traditional kind of private equity or venture capital uh, round. But so far, it's been mainly like we have a bunch of NFL players. We have fashion and healthcare executives. It's people that I could call or text and ask for feedback and help and that they would be able to add pretty substantial feedback and help for us. Is your business mainly is the model mainly selling online or it's really selling to hospitals? Yeah, it's both. So we have both a B2B where we're going into a hospital and selling them our products. We work with over 80 hospital systems and governments today. A lot of the big brand names, which is super exciting. And then we also sell both on our website as well as third-party websites. And we'll be announcing some more really interesting partnerships later this year on the direct-to-consumer angle as well. When you sell to the hospital, though, they're buying for their patients, for their staff. What's that look like? Yeah. So on the hospital side, generally, they will buy and provide our products to their patients or their staff. And so depending on what the product is, for example, PickLine covers a number of hospitals, buy them and provide them to their patients. We've actually had a top five hospital system inform us that they've been buying from us for the last three years, and they actually saw a 78% decline in migrations of their pick lines by using our covers. And so what we're finding is a lot of them are proactively actually doing amazing research for us to help us kind of understand just the impact that we're having on our patient gowns. We've seen that patient satisfaction jumps over two times by using our patient gowns. So we're starting to be able to collect some really interesting data as well. And at the end of the day, we're seeing that that channel is definitely exploding in terms of more and more hospitals want to be working with us for a long-term basis. Mm, That's amazing. You know, I know there's figs and I know there's another company that's doing like shoes for, I'm totally blanking on the name, but it seems like this was such a white space. And now there's more and more brands that are developing product clothing for hospitals. Is like the competition starting to get more and more crowded in this space? Yeah, it's interesting, right? Because in healthcare, what I always say is competition's great because it means that there's going to be more innovation. There's going to be more push to do more for the patient and clinician. And at the end of the day, that's really what we want. In fact, some of our first competitors, I would recommend them. They would recommend us if our product didn't make sense, but theirs did and they did the same, vice versa. And I look at it as an opportunity to drive innovation. I do think there's a lot more investment dollars, a lot more interest in this industry than there were five to 10 years ago. For example, on patient satisfaction, that's just been a part of HCAP scores, which leads to reimbursement. That's just happened in the last five to 10 years. And so now hospitals are financially motivated to care more about patient satisfaction than they might have been historically. I think a lot of the movement you've seen in terms of IPOs and big acquisitions and things like that in the industry is only a positive because it's putting even more of a light into it. It's putting even more investment dollars in the industry. And 
we're excited at what that means going forward and just the level of interest and excitement around what we're doing and being able to bring about innovation even more quickly is something that we're really excited about. Mm. What would you say, just in terms of the vision of, of your brand, you know, it seems like you guys have really taken an approach at I know we spoke about it briefly, but humanizing the experience for patients. I know that you worked with some famous designers and some of the styles that you have on your site that you offer. I'd say it's very atypical of what you would think you'd see in a hospital or if you spent a lot of time in a hospital, what you'd see a patient wearing. What's your vision for the brand? And do you guys see yourself going more like the performance fashion first trend? Or I'm curious what you envision for the future of your business? Yeah, totally. I think to talk about the future, I should kind of talk about how we design and develop our products. So today we take a three pronged approach to the design and development of each of our products. And this design process, I'm going to be honest, was not super well thought out. It was me as a former consultant and banker saying, hey, I need to get the right people in the room with me to design these products. And so first and foremost, always working with clinicians. By working with clinicians, you're making sure that your products are medically superior to everything else out there. And you are kind of understanding what the needs and requirements are. And a great example of that is for our pick line covers, was creating a mesh window that allowed for breathability and visibility to the pick line site. That was what, at the end of the day, why people were being told to wear a sock historically. And that, quite frankly, is what we were able to get proprietary IP on and get patented. And so by working with clinicians, we're always able to strategically get unique IP on each and every one of our products. Secondly, is working with the end user to make sure that they actually want to wear the product. I gave the story of me as a seven-year-old exposing myself with the patient gown in the hospital, and it's making sure that we have the end users of our products involved in the design and development. For our latest product, our scrubs, that one of which I'm modeling today, we worked with nearly 100 clinicians to make sure that their thoughts were ingrained in our products and their needs and desires. And that's how, quite frankly, like you see these loops on the sleeve or on the shoulder. These loops are being there so you no longer have to wear 40 necklaces with your badges, your vocera walkie-talkies, etc. You can just clip them up there. Having stronger neck collars so that if you do put like a pen on it or something, you're not going to suddenly be exposing yourself putting pockets where you want it, et cetera. I think that that's super important. And then lastly, getting back to your question, is bringing in the fashion and design element to incorporate the latest trends and technologies and designs. And that's how and why we partnered with like Oscar de la Renta, Parsons School of Design. We actually taught a class with them where we had 10 amazing students, two designers teaching the class, and then Designers like Kay Unger and Donna Karen actually come into the class and give their feedback, along with nine different hospital systems and everyone involved in the life cycle of the patient gown, including launderers and commercial companies like JVK, laundry and linen teams at hospitals like NYU and New York Presbyterian, and more. So I guess what I'm trying to say is my answer would be actually both, that we always want to be a mix of fashion and function. And when I say fashion, I don't necessarily mean what you are doing to be able to walk a runway in a fashion show, but I would argue we're thinking of it more as contemporary fashion, fashion that you wear each and every day 
and that enables you to go about your everyday life. And part of, honestly, why we connected with Oscar is Oscar's CEO, Alex Poland, used to always talk about how he wants his customers to live their lives. And what I've always said is, Karenware wants to do the same. Like, we want you to feel like a human again and be able to live your life. And so I think it's, at the end of the day, it's really finding that happy medium between fashion and function uh, to create a best-in-class product on both sides of the world, I guess. Yeah. I imagine since you launched, you've had to have some pretty amazing experiences with you know various customers. What would you say has been like the most rewarding thing since, since launching? Gosh, uh, <laughs> most rewarding thing, honestly, is probably each and every day. That's a good answer. <laughs> but I think a couple of early stories. One, both Pickline related. I remember, so you're looking at not just the CEO of Karen Ware, but historically the janitor, the mailroom attendant, the warehouse. I kind of wore all hats as every early stage founder does. And I remember in the early days, we had a collegiate runner contact us and say, hey, I talked to my coach and he says I can continue my running career if this will keep my pick line on my arm. And I was like, look, like, as you can tell by me personally wearing our scrubs today, I've personally worn and tested prototypes of our pick line covers, but I don't have a pick line. And like, you're going to be truly our guinea pig for this. So yes, this is why we created it. We think it'll work, but we've never actually had someone at your level of collegiate running wearing this. I'm I myself am a runner, but I definitely was not recruited to run in college. My marathon times are very slow. I'm more of a half marathoner, and even that is slow. I'm more of a here for the experience rather than the time type yeah. of guy. And she wore it and was able to continue her running career, and that was incredible. And to that same point, we had this amazing girl wanting to go to her senior prom, and Allie wanted to be able to wear a sleeveless dress to prom, as you should be able to for your prom, but she had a pick line. And so she reached out and said, hey, I noticed you have this color. I'm trying to understand like, if it'll match my dress. And again, because she was talking to the warehouse manager at the same time as the CEO, I was able to FaceTime with her and show her the pick line covers and then sent her two sizes, overnighted it to her. And she was able to go to her senior prom and enjoy being a senior in high school and not worry about being someone with a pick line. And she wrote the most glowing email after and her mom emailed saying, hey, thank you so much. Like my daughter was able to live her life again. And I think it's it's those stories that now have multiplied in the thousands, if not millions, and being able to make a difference in the world that truly inspires us each and every day. And the last year, as the world was dealing with COVID, we started being able to help hospitals protect the front lines. And we ended up delivering over 15 million units to those on the front lines. And I think that that was like, when I was like, wow, like, we helped find this product, we helped make sure that it works, we help keep these people protected from COVID while they're doing the much braver and much more difficult job of helping our loved ones get better. And I think that that is honestly what inspires us each and every day. And to do more and more, I think, is what keeps the lights on and keeps us wanting to do more. What's that feel like? I mean, you know, a lot of people get into business to make money, to solve a problem, to do something that they're passionate about. What's it feel like to know you're having such an impact and you're really only just getting started? Yeah, 
it's incredible, but you don't feel, at least I myself don't feel like we're doing everything. I mean, we wouldn't be here without the amazing community that we built. We wouldn't be here without the clinicians and patients that help us each and every day and give us their feedback. Obviously, I wouldn't be here without our amazing team and our investors and our advisors and even people like you helping us drive awareness of our products. And I think it's it's a collaborative effort. We are just a cog in the wheel and it's the old adage of one plus one equals three um, of working together. I think we can do so much and we're just at the beginning and I'm excited to be able to do even more and have two plus two equals 40 rather than one plus one equaling three. And yeah, just really excited for what's to come. I know at the beginning when you were saying when you were trying to tinker with the idea, you said, you know, you, you'd help people for a year, worst case. And if it didn't work, you try something else. Did anyone tell you, like, you're crazy, you don't know anything about the garment industry? Were there any naysayers early on? or Because I feel like sometimes people share their dreams or express them, and someone might say, hey, you don't, you don't know anything about that. What are you talking about? Yeah, no, I mean, that still happens today. So definitely, I think there's... My friends jokingly referred to me as fashion CEO because I am not a fashion guy for sure in terms of how I would dress. Like historically, I was the guy in flip-flops with a hoodie or a t-shirt or whatever. And I think it's it's been really cool. And one of my friends, actually, he always teased me for how I dress, actually wrote a really nice text the other day saying something about how he gives me a hard time, but he's really proud to know me and really proud of the work that we're doing to help others. And I think that that's one thing as a founder that we don't do enough of is taking a step back and thinking about how much you've done and how much you've accomplished. I think we're always go, go, go. And especially when you think about Karen, where, yeah, we delivered over 15 million units last year, but there's over 7 billion people worldwide. And so we're still a tiny percentage of who we could be impacting and who we could be helping. And I think it's taking a breath and realizing like, holy smokes, like look at all this amazing work that we've done and be proud of that and be proud of the amazing people that you get to help each and every day. And I get to cheat a little because everyone on our team actually does customer service. We think it's really important for everyone to talk to our customers and feel that. And part of why I do that is because almost always our customers are talking about how wonderful it is and how excited they are for our products. And Yesterday, we had a case where our warehouse hadn't sent the guy everything because they lost one of his products or something. And he was like, I just am so thankful for the work that you do. And I can't thank you all enough. And it's totally fine, even if you send these piecemeal. Like, I'm just proud to be able to wear this when I go in for my treatment. And I think it's people that are dealing with far greater issues than what we're dealing with on a day-to-day basis. The fact that they can appreciate what you're doing makes you rethink about the world and get re-inspired and want to do so much more. And I think that's what I selfishly get to experience day in and day out is being motivated by our community around us and being motivated to do even more to help them because of their attitudes and their desire to make a difference in the world as well. I love it. It's a powerful message and definitely a powerful calling to, you know, get you out of bed in the morning. We can start to wrap up the show. One last question I like to ask all my guests, what would be your bits of gold and how to build a life you love, how to build your dream life? Yeah, totally. 
I think the biggest thing is you can't be afraid to try something. You can't be afraid of getting told no. And whether it's cold emailing someone to reach out to them, whether it's trying to cold call a hospital in our case, or trying to get in touch with someone. And to your point, yeah, I didn't have a fashion background, but that didn't stop me. It just meant that I had to work with people that knew and build a strong advisory board and get really great people involved in the ride with me. And it's, I think the last piece is that you're not alone. I think too many founders are scared of asking the dumb question, are scared of having people look at them and be like, how could you not know that answer? And I can promise you and assure you, I definitely did not know the answer and I still don't know the answers. And part of what I've been able to do with that is use that to my advantage and reach out to everyone that I know or anyone that I could think of knowing and ask them for the answer. And that's enabled us to build an even better company and even better community and even better products. Amazing. Where can people get a hold of you or find out more about your company? Yeah, um, we're on the web at www.careandwear.com. Uh, and then we're on all social media channels uh, with Care and Wear. And we would love to hear from you and love to see what we could do to help each and every one of you. Awesome. Well, Chad, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Bits of Gold. If you like this episode, please take a minute, share with a friend, subscribe, and leave a review. It would mean the world. Have an amazing week. New episode dropping this upcoming Monday. Every Monday, have an awesome week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.